0: Hi, I want to give you a warm welcome today. We are in a series called Finding Joy Again. Last week, we talked about six stepping stones to help us. I hope it was helpful to you. And I don't think the series would be complete if we didn't also talk about some of the verses in the Bible that tell us to have joy in our trials which can almost be like a stumbling block that gets in the way, things that we can trip over in the deep darkness of our grief after the death of our child. So this week, I'm going to do my best to look at just a couple of these and take them apart in a way that helps us hopefully to get past them a little bit. First, I want to call attention to the fact that in the New Testament church, they just didn't seem to have a problem connecting affliction and trials with joy. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that, but it does seem to be the case. There are so many verses. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2. And it says that in much experience of tribulation, they have had an abundance of joy. I'm going to read this in a few other translations. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy. Here's another one. They have suffered a great deal, but in their suffering, their joy was more than full. Another version. They have been put to the test by much trouble, but they have much joy. And the last one here for even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering they became even more filled with joy i know it's easy for us to think well how many of them actually lost a child though i mean we know they had it rough as early christians but how many of them actually had their child die the thing is let's look at some of the things that they were going through we're going to go up just a couple of chapters second corinthians chapter 6 And I'm going to start reading from verse 4. And it says, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, In hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, in purity, in understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. I mean, that's quite a list. And the interesting thing is if you caught there in the middle, sorrowing and yet always rejoicing. Some translations say grieved and mourning, as in M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning, a death. And it talked about death. And yet we are always rejoicing. Uh, Another one says we're always happy, even in times of suffering. One version says we know sorrow, yet our joy is inextinguishable. Or another one says our hearts ache, but we always have joy. And I'm not telling you this to make you feel guilty, but to show us that maybe, just maybe, it is possible to have joy in our sorrow. And I'm not talking about right away immediately, but I'm saying that it can come. Something interesting that I heard this week is that in our Western culture, we have become really good at allowing the circumstances around us and the things that happen to us become our gauge for how good or how bad we think our lives are, instead of gauging it by the health of our soul. What is going on inside of us during these trials and difficult times? What's happening inside of us? What is the health of our soul? Like I said, in our Western culture, what I read We tend to gauge everything, whether life is good or bad, based on the circumstances around us. We tend to react instead of act. James 1, 2-4. This is in the New King James Version. And it says, My brethren, here's one that we're really familiar with, a lot of us. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I'm going to read this in a couple other versions again, because sometimes these other versions help us get a better understanding of what's actually being said. The NIV says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's kind of hard to comprehend, isn't it? Not lacking anything. There is a newer version of the Bible. It's like, how many versions do we need, right? But it's called the Passion Translation and I'm going to read this scripture in this version. It says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, It will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. That sounds good to me. Especially after the death of my daughter, I need to be put back together. I need to become stronger. I need his power, his strength, his endurance to be released into every part of my being until I am complete again. To explain saying complete, it's like, well, I'm never going to be complete without my child. And yet there's a, a completion that I believe we can have, where we can have a fulfilled life while we're waiting to be reunited with our child. And if you're in the early parts of grief, in the early months, in maybe two, three, even up to five years, that may seem impossible to you. But I'm seeing it's very, very possible if we just keep going, if we just keep walking, and we just keep putting everything back into God's hands. We can see this as an invaluable, okay, hang with me here, an invaluable opportunity. This is what the scripture we just read said, to experience the greatest joy that you can. And it's almost like the the deeper the grief, the greater the joy is possible in the kingdom of God. Not in the natural kingdom, not in the kingdom of man, not in the kingdom of the enemy, but in God's kingdom, there is a way that he can take the depths of our pain and grief, and he can bring us to the point where we can have joy in our life that we didn't even know was possible. Just like uh, if, you've, if you followed me for very long, I, I say all the time that when Becca died, it took me to a place of darkness that I didn't even know existed. And I believe that there is a joy. That is beyond what I even knew existed. And I I know we're gonna see the fullness of that when we get to heaven and we're reunited with our children. But I don't want to wait that long. I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait until I leave this earth to have joy in my life again. Second Corinthians 4 17 and 18 says, Light and momentary troubles. Now I know the death of our child is not a light and momentary trouble but let me just read the scripture to you. It says, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, that far outweighs the troubles. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think that's one of the keys that we need when we look at these scriptures of joy. We don't fix our eyes, okay? We can't help but think about it. We can't help but, but have these reminders and, and know that our child isn't here, okay? But we get to the point where that's not where our focus is. We have to work through that. We can't deny that's where we start. But we get to a point where we can begin to choose to not fix our eyes on what is seen, but to fix our focus and our eyes on what is unseen, which is obviously where our children are, what we cannot see with our natural eyes. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. To have joy in our trials is not to deny the pain. It's to recognize the fact that they can exist together, just like I've talked about pain and peace can exist Exist in us together. I believe joy and sorrow can exist in us together. Now, I read something interesting. It's talking about joy and pain or sorrow existing in us together. What I read says they can coexist in the same way an expectant mother can go through the travail of birth and still have joy in thinking about what is to come. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a mom listening out there, my labor and delivery, there were times I just didn't feel joy knowing I was going to be holding a baby. I was in pain and I wanted to get this baby out so that pain would stop. And I kind of think that's more the picture of what we are going through as bereaved parents. We know there's something to look forward to, but that doesn't make us okay about the pain that we're going through now until we get there yeah, when we have a baby, as we're in labor, we do get to a point where when we're holding that baby, something in us tells us that all of that pain to birth that baby was worth it. It makes me think of that scripture, just like Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Now, that scripture also says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. That's how that scripture starts. He endured the cross, And he despised the shame and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father at the throne. And like I said earlier, I honestly don't think that our joy will be complete until we're with our children again. But that doesn't mean I can't work toward it while I am here. We can have joy in our future outcome. To me, it's like bringing what's in the future here into my present and we're experiencing that by faith. It's something that we choose to step into. We make that choice that this is where I want to go. This is what I want to have in my life. I don't want to wait for the excitement and joy when I see Becca again. I want to have that excitement and joy thinking about it now and the anticipation of it to be exciting to me, to the point of bringing joy into my life. I hope this is making sense. Maybe if I liken it to, for a lot of us, I would say for most of us, when we come to those, especially the the anniversary death date of our child, most of us will discover the anticipation of coming up to that day is oftentimes worse than the day itself. And there are a lot of reasons for that, and I'm not going to go into that. But that's kind of how I want to feel that way with joy. I want that anticipation of seeing Becca again to be a joy in me. I don't want to have to wait until I see her. I want, I want to grab hold of some of that joy now and live in the anticipation, the joy of that anticipation of being able to see her again. Now that verse that I just read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it also says, For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. How many of you want to just slap someone sometimes for the drama they produce? People around you that are upset about what we feel like are stupid things, right? It's like, are you kidding? You're upset about that? My child died. That's nothing, right? Right things that used to bother us, we just don't care about those things anymore. They're just not important now. And that's kind of what I see this scripture is saying, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up a power within you to endure all things. Philippians 3.10 says that we can't have resurrection power without death. It's the scripture that talks about we get all excited that we can have to know him in his resurrection power. And it's like, yes, and we get all excited. Yes, I want to know him in his resurrection power. But then it goes on to say to know him in his sufferings. And we don't like that. But the thing is, as as parents who have lost a child, I think we have a greater opportunity than anybody else on this earth to actually know him, to know, know, know him in his sufferings, which means that we have an even greater opportunity than anybody else here on this earth to know him in resurrection power. And we're going to know that, obviously, when our time here is over on earth, but I want to start seeing glimpses. And I want to start knowing that resurrection power now in my life. Because if you're like me, I felt like I died when Becca died, I felt like a part of me died. I didn't know how it was. How am I going to live? It just it's like you're just dead inside. And I need that resurrection power at work in me right now. And it's almost like, what I alluded to earlier, we can't have extreme joy without extreme pain. How are you going to recognize extreme joy if you've never gone down to that bottom of the depth of extreme pain? Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And man, that is one of the things that we can really do is earnestly seek him. Even in anger and confusion, we can earnestly seek him. And that brings pleasure to him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. We choose to endure. And I know it's like, I didn't choose this. I know none of us chose this. But we can choose to endure, knowing that there's going to be a reward for all of this that we're going through. And I I have come to love Matthew 25. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I picture my daughter, Becca, standing right next to God. When I hear these words, I want to hear these words spoken over me while Becca is standing right next to him, hearing these words being spoken over me about her mom. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. And you may think that you haven't done well or that you're not doing well. But in Ephesians, after he tells us to put on the whole armor of God, we're told that after having done all To stand, and if all we do is keep standing, that's enough. Isn't that a relief? Having done all to stand, if you remain standing, you can hear those words to enter into the joy of the Lord. You have done well, you are doing well. Okay, let's go back to the scripture. It says it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. Lacking nothing that God wants to be and can be for you. God walks in when everyone else walks out. He is there for you. And when you realize that, you can have There's an undercurrent of joy. I talked about that, I think it was in the first podcast of this series, the undercurrent of joy that we can have, which can also become that cheerful joy as it grows. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, there it is again, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What an incredible promise to grab hold of and make it your own. This is a promise, God, that I am standing on. That word joy is in the Greek, it's kairo. It means to be cheerful or to be calmly happy. And that goes right back to like that first podcast where I was talking about how as Christians, we, we hear so often that joy isn't happiness. It's not based on outward circumstances, but it is. There's It really is almost like there's two kinds of joy. There's an undercurrent of joy, and then there is a joy that comes based on what God is doing, a rejoicing. And it means when you really press in, there's a place of peace and rest with a warmth in your heart because you know this is what it means for God to be with you and not only to be with you, but to be in you and to have blessings waiting for you, blessings that will bring fullness to your life and rewards in eternity. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Romans 12:12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I'm going to go through a couple versions again here to help us get a better grasp on this. Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. Now hope, the definition of God's hope, not our kind of hope that it's like, I hope it doesn't rain. God's kind of hope, it's a confident expectation. So base your happiness on your confident expectation, your expectation, your hope in Christ. When trials come, endure them patiently, steadfastly, maintain the habit of prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. I'm not talking about an hour on your face, you know, do some prayer meeting kind of prayer, Father in heaven. It's talking to God. Prayer is just fellowship and communicating with him another version says, have joy in confident expectation. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Another one says, do not forget to rejoice, for hope is always just around the corner. Commune with God at all times. And to me, it's like, thank you, God. Even though I can't see it, I can't feel it. Hope is there, God. You're holding it out to me, waiting for me to grab hold of it. Even that is, is communing with God. It's prayer. It's talking to him. Let's go on to 1 Peter 1, 6 through 6-9. It says, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Now, verse six, how this started out, it says in all of this. So let's back up to verses three to five, because what is in all of this in all of what? It says, praise be to God in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to think about something. If you have ever been somewhere and seen a blacksmith at work, and maybe it's even just on TV in an old western type show, he'll put something in the fire and then he'll take it out when it's red hot, he'll pound it into shape, and then he'll put it back in the fire. And he keeps repeating that until he has it the exact shape that he needs it to be. And I especially think of this with horseshoes, right? And this is a lot like the fiery trials that James 1, 2 to 4 is talking about, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance in us, so that we are mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, fire can either burn us up and take us out, or it can refine us. And it's painful. It's painful to go through the fire. We may feel like it is taking us out. But if we keep going, one day at a time, what comes out on the other side is glorious. I'm telling you, I believe with everything in me. Joy is the abiding of Christ in us, regardless of outward circumstances. The hope of the resurrection on the other side of the trial is the joy. And he is a God of hope. He is the God of resurrection. Having joy doesn't mean the pain and difficulty will be taken away because we understand the hope in our future. Even though Jesus saw the joy set before him, he still had to endure the cross and the shame that came with it. We are not walking around with some phony face or mask that everything is good, that we don't have to pretend like we have joy. We don't have to try to fool people into thinking that life is good. We are still going to be in that pain as we're in this trial, as we're in this time on earth without our child. Now, I am looking at the time here and looking at my notes at what I wanted to share with you. And I'm, I'm about halfway through of what I wanted to share with you on these scriptures about joy. And so rather than making this podcast extra long, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here right now. And we're going to continue this next week. So I hope this first half that I've shared with you, what I've said so far, has stirred something up in you to at least know that joy is possible. It's possible to have joy in our lives in the midst of these horrible circumstances that we found ourselves in with the death of our child, and that really, truly nothing is impossible with him, and that with me, we'll do this together. We're going to continue searching for joy on this journey that we find ourselves in. And knowing that even if we don't find it here, even if we don't find the joy that we were hoping for again in this life, it is definitely going to come in the next life. Real quickly, before we go on to the birthday segment, I want to remind you that July is national bereaved parents month and dave and i want to offer something to you as a special the my grief journey it's a coloring book and journal anyone who wants it through our website gps hope for only five dollars through the month of july If you want to find out more about this book, it's like 48 pages, uh, words that you, every page has a word that has to do with our grief journey. You don't have to color. You can if you want to. It's almost like a devotional that you can go through and look at the word, see what it has to say about the word, the scripture about the word, and then there's a journaling prompt for those who don't know what to write. There's a journaling prompt that will get you started that has to do with that word So it's available, like I said, through GPS Hope through the month of July for only $5. So I hope you take advantage of that. And I'm going to let you know ahead of time that starting July 19th, the week of the 19th through the 26th, my book When Tragedy Strikes. I talked to my publisher, and they are dropping the price of the ebook. Now, I know it'll be that way on Amazon. I don't know if it's across the board, wherever you can get it on like Barnes and Noble and all those other places. But I know at least on Amazon, the price of the ebook is only going to be $3.99. So I'll remind you about that again next week. But let people know, okay, let people know that that's coming. So Let's go ahead and go on to the birthday segment. And the first thing I want to do is I want to start by correcting a forever age from last week. And I'm sorry I got the age wrong. My eye followed the wrong line uh, when I carried it over for the podcast. But Clifford Patrick Keenan Jr. uh, is forever 24. This week, we have Abby Sherwood, who was born on July 15th, and Abby is forever 18. Madeline Youngdahl was born on July 16th, and she is forever 14 years old. Evelyn Grace McCory was born on July 16th, and little Evelyn died at birth. Jimmy LaPlante was born on July 19th, and he is forever 39. We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world and blessed these families with their lives from those who died at birth with Evelyn all the way up to Jimmy who was 39. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. You'll find a form there with just a few things to fill out. Submit it and I would be honored to add your child to the birthday segment of the podcast, the week of his or her birthday. If there are scriptures that just don't make sense right now to you, which there can be a lot of them, or these scriptures seem to contradict what you're experiencing, like the ones we're talking about joy, It's okay to be honest with God about it and just set them on a shelf for a while and let the Holy Spirit pull them down to untangle them for you when he knows that you're ready to see them through God's eyes instead of our own eyes. I hope you join me next week as we continue this talk on some of these scriptures of joy, try to unravel them or make a little more sense of them so that they can actually encourage us instead of discourage us. And as we are on this journey together, remember to hold on. Pain eases. It doesn't end, but it eases. There is hope.